what I'm saying? Like, shit, shit got me panicking. And a lot of you motherfuckers think it's a joke, kiki, 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 like I was thinking, right? But that shit right there, just because you think you immune to it, guess what? Your pocket ain't, bitch, because a lot of shit comes from motherfucking China, bitch. So if you wonder where your motherfucking weave or your fashion over motherfucking packages have arrived, guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! I'm telling you, shit is real! Shit is getting real! Okay, it is Friday, March 13th, 2020. What an apropos time to talk about all the horrible ass shit that has gone down in just the past couple of days. I'm telling you right now, um... Tom Hanks got the coronavirus. Tom Hanks and his lovely wife, Rita Wilson, has got the coronavirus. So, if we don't get a cure by next week, a lot of us are going down. A lot of us are going down because it's just like Tom Hanks, America's dad, has got the coronavirus now, so it's like it's it's this some serious shit now. And let me tell you one thing: if if Trump lets Tom Hanks die from this goddamn coronavirus, can we finally storm the castle then? Out of all the horrible shit he's pulled, can we just finally say, yeah, we gotta get this motherfucker out? He let he let Forrest Gump die. Nobody wants to, that's the one thing everybody can agree on. Everybody loves Tom Hanks. Even that Mr. Rogers movie, just like that, that movie wasn't shit, but he was good in it. Yeah, he was. He was very, very good in it. So, uh, God damn it. It's, it's, it's just been utter chaos. <laughs> Before I got on, on, on the mic here, there was like a, watching a car, a car chase, a police car chase. In the city of Houston, near Southmore, so just like everybody's just committing crimes now. They're not, they're not even waiting to like the end of days to just commit felonies. They're just they're, they're going to do it now because just if there's anything we've learned from all the other you know end of the world movies is that you know just people just start looting shit. People have kind of been looting shit because, like, apparently all the toilet paper is gone. And well, I went to Walmart today. All the all the hand soap and uh, and disposable wipes are out of there. They're they're all gone. Ironically, uh, the the body wash and soap they're still there, but hand soap and everything. That's that's the crazy thing about coronavirus. Just like. And I'll be talking about this with my guests later on. But um, just, I don't think we could, you know, it, I just think this, this is a way to keep us on our toes and not be nasty bastards. Because there are a lot of people who don't wash at all. And just, you know, 
you know, this virus, this virus came here to remind us, hey, maybe we need to wash our ass every once in a while. Just like, you know, if not every day, then every two days. It'd be nice if you could find somewhere. You know, back back when I was homeless, I found uh, you know, I found some uh, you know some 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 parks where they you know they had the you know the 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 weightlifting centers and swimming pools. They they had showers. I managed to find a place to wash my ass. So it's not that difficult to find a place to wash your ass. Just go in the gas station and go in the bathroom. And just wash and just wash the shit down. So you know, just be clean every once in a while. You have no idea how how far being clean will take you. One of the best compliments I ever got uh, was from a <laughs> like years ago. Uh, somebody said, I forget it was a man or a woman. Just said, "Oh, you smell good. What is that?" And I said, "Oh, that's Lever Two Thousand for my two thousand parts." I ain't put on a goddamn cologne or none of that shit. I just washed my ass. It was funny because, like, I got the compliment and then some dude said, yeah, I've been using that Neutrogena Pure Rain. Nigga, don't, 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 don't take my compliment away from me. You know, I believe the person gave the compliment to me and you acted like, oh, I, I washed my ass too. Yeah, g- good. But it's like, you know, they compliment me about, about, how, how good I wash my ass. So, yeah, well, yeah, because I, I always appreciate clean people. There's nothing worse than being next to a musty motherfucker. I was at a, move, a movie screening weeks ago, and I can just tell the person in front of me was musty as fuck. That, you know, that got that metallic, uh, you know, penny smell. Just. Like, nigga, you didn't think to, to wash before you got here? You get, just wipe your, yourself down or something. You're just going to come up in the crit, go come up in this movie theater smelling all like a goddamn sock. But I digress because I'm talking about washing my ass. We guess we should talk. But but that also plays into it. I know everybody's like washing their hands and everything. Like, just, 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 just be a clean motherfucker. Just try and do that. Uh, yes. I, I, I was just cutting and pasting shit. Uh, the United States Congress physician expects somewhere between 70 to 150 million people in the country to eventually get infected with the novel coronavirus, coronavirus the lawmaker said. Congresswoman Rashida... Um, Lab. I I know gonna fuck that up. You, you know her. You know that girl. Uh from Michigan made the comments during a hearing of the House of Representatives with members of the President's Coronavirus Task Force. Uh, God. The World Health Organization better known as WHO, declared the outbreak a pandemic as Italy tightened its strict quarantine and the U.S. imposed a ban on flights to Europe. So there's that. 
More than 4,600 people have died and over 126,000 infected globally, according to the WHO. About 68,000 victims have recovered, according to John Hopkins University, which is tracking the virus. Oh, here's, here's something. On March 11th, uh, Denver, Colorado became one of the first cities in the U.S. to implement drive-through coronavirus testing free to patients uh, with a doctor's note. Uh, the first drive-through testing facility opened in Seattle, Washington earlier in the week. The new sites allow medical staff to safely test patients with virus symptoms who have recently traveled to high-risk areas or have been in close contact with people who tested positive. So, yeah, they're, that, they're, they're implementing, I believe it was, was it Korea or China that, uh, that having the whole drive-through testing shit. Oh, man, just... It's funny because just like it's like we're all just scared now of, of of this virus. I mean, I I thought I had coronavirus last night, but I took a shit, and that was the end of that. Maybe maybe that's what a lot of people need to do: just like take take a dump and find that you know, they're not full of the coronavirus that they thought they they, they were. Oh man, I don't even know. What, I don't even know what to tell you now. Just like, cause, uh, just what what other stuff you want to hear about the baby uh, uh slapping a woman, cause cause she shined a light in his face, and just be like, yeah, how long has that nigga been famous? Like he hasn't had lights shined in his. First of all, why the fuck you at the club in the first goddamn place, all covered up? You know, you know, you know, you're gonna get some some people. Just like, ooh, ooh, the baby can't get a picture. And just like, he slapped that girl, like, literally, like, she owed him some money. Like, he he, he slapped her pimp style. It wasn't even like, wasn't even like, just like this, this random out of the way slap. He just like, he looked straight at her and say, bitch, I'm going to slap you. Pow! And just, oh, man. Hell we going to do, people. You know, what the hell? Oh, just like you stay, you know, you you, you can't stay at home because apparently every shock, surprisingly, I'm on my own show. Everything is canceled. Talking about how everything is basically canceled. Uh, South by Southwest is canceled. Uh, NBA is uh, the NBA is canceled. Oh, the NBA is canceled mostly because. That one motherfucker uh, decided to touch it. Forget who that dude is. Oh, yeah. Utah Jazz Center. Rudy Go- Gobert. Gobert, where the fuck is the last name? Touched a bunch of mics at a press conference. And, you know, and then he tested positive coronavirus. And now the NBA is canceled. You know, Rice University classes canceled. Uh, the rodeo got canceled, which was a shame because I really wanted to see Lizzo on Friday. I know a lot of motherfuckers are making, you know, all Lizzo jokes. First of all, why the fuck y'all asking? Why the fuck y'all are acting like uh, you wouldn't hit that? Y'all act, oh, 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 Lizzo's too fat. Like, you don't scoop up 
portly, try to scoop up portly motherfuckers on the regular. This this one is, just happens to be famous. It has Grammys and shit. And, and y'all, and, and she's flaunting her, her curves or whatever the fuck. And y'all acting like you wouldn't be into that shit. Like you wouldn't be ass smacking. You wouldn't be cleek. You wouldn't go all up in the cheeks or whatever the fuck y- y'all say these days and uh and get with Lizzo. Like I'm getting I'm getting tired of that. This is this is this is what I this is what I've been talking about because you know, people, you know last year, you know, all the talk was especially in Houston was about Lizzo. No, no, all the talk in Houston was about Megan the Stallion, even though Lizzo was uh getting more of the uh the talk and the fame and and then and, and and the recognition and everything but people in Houston were acting like I don't know even though like she's from Houston she she went to University of Houston everything but people around here were much more ready to talk about Megan the Stallion who's going through some shit her damn self with with you know, with you know, the record deal she got and she brought in Jay Prince, which yeah, I don't even want to get into any of that shit, but, um, y'all hate to see, uh, portly motherfuckers thrive unless they're making you laugh and shit. Just, you know, you know, a chunky sister can't be out there just twerking and, and making, and making dough. She's got to act like she, you know, she, like you wouldn't kill that shit. Oh, God damn. I guess it's, I guess I should tell you right now I've been drinking a little bit, so. I got to find a way to fill up this time before all the real shit happens. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. All right, uh, NBA is canceled. Rice University canceled. Rodale's canceled. Movies canceled because movies are getting canceled left and right. Uh, you know the the James Bond movie and just today, um, that Quiet Place two got canceled and um, Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland's canceled and I guess as you know. By the time this drops, there'll be more shit out there getting canceled. This is unfortunate for me because I'm a a freelance journalist and uh, just I got to make money writing about shit that's out there. It's going to be difficult to write about things that's out there when none of it's happening. But on the other hand, uh, maybe it's a good time to maybe hate out, you know, Hang out with friends, maybe. Just get together with some friends. People are going to find a way to make this, this whole thing where it's just like we, we distance each other, distance from, from each other even more. You know, we kind of live in an age now where just people, just <laughs> you, you, it's, it's getting difficult to, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just watching the news, 39 deaths. 1,300 plus cases in the U.S. for the coronavirus, but just like people distance themselves from each other 
you, know, you can't get uh, you, you can't get anybody on the phone. Fuck that shit. Can't get anybody on the phone. Can hardly communicate with people, and can't you know it's hard to text with people, hard to email people. It almost makes you wonder, like, is it me? Is it or is it just like we just live in an age now where people don't really like really communicate with one another? Yeah, just we we've all turned into uh, introverted shut-ins who order shit from Postmates. I'm I'm glad to to say I, I haven't jumped on the post the Postmates train. I I actually like leaving the house and getting food by my damn self. If you got people coming to your house, uh, you know, giving you like a Big Mac with fries, you've pretty much lost the will to live. There are, there are McDonald's in every corner. Every, every town in America, you can just you just walk outside, go to a McDonald's, and get a Big Mac with fries. But no, you had to call up some motherfucker to get a Big Mac and fries for you and deliver it to your house. Don't, don't, they, don't they embarrass you a little bit? Just... Somebody, you know, had to go get the Big Mac and fries for you because you just, I don't know, for whatever reason. If you, First of all, if you're not, uh, was it agoraphobic? Is that, you know, for the term just like staying indoors? Then, 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 then you're just a lazy bastard. Leave the goddamn house. You know, I know. It's hard to talk to people these days. Trust me, I know. I am a big black man. I try my best to communicate with people, but a lot of people are either scared or intimidated wherever the fuck their deal is. But staying inside is is, is not, not going to do any wonders unless you want to binge watch some shit. Kind of need human contact to just remind yourself just I can still talk to people. If you lose that, you might as well just stay in and just get bulky and just, you know, just 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 do all a whole bunch of sad shit by yourself. Just we won't get into any of that. But um What the fuck am I talking about right now? Just uh, this is nineteen minutes or so of stuff, but um Listen, don't let this coronavirus get you down. It's, it, you know, just, it's just, a, you know, just, just, just try to stay aware. I know it's just, it's all out there in the air and in germs and whatnot. But uh, hopefully, we will all get through this. This won't be some, some. some I can't help but thinking that it might not be the, 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 the big destructive end. It's just another thing that we have to plow through, have to deal with, because that's what the fuck life is. Shit you got to deal with. 
just have to experience this stuff so we can just move on to the next goddamn thing. Oh, just. Oh, goddamn it. Well, let me play some music for you guys right now. Just. I've just done all I can. This is the most uh, perplexed show on the interwebs. This is everything is canceled. Let's see if we can do this.
So yo, I'm eating on you, eating on you, eating on your ass. I'm eating on your motherfucking ass. I wanna see it, baby. Give me your ass, yo, the whole ass. I'm gonna eat it with my tongue and mouth, yo. You gotta do it. Work that ass for daddy. 
Sucking your pussy and your ass in the same place you gotta work that ass for daddy. Okay, that is, uh, this is Everything is Canceled, a.k.a. Uncle Krizzle's Panic Room. I am Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen. Uh, let's see what else, um, a.k.a. Professional Helen Mirren stalker. Yeah, let's let's do that. I'm, I've always been a big Helen Mirren fan. I don't know if you know that about me, but ask my friends. I'm just I'm really big on Dame Helen. And um, yeah, I do this podcast once in a while. And uh, just if you want to get at me, you can uh, on you know the the, the, the the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All the other shit, it's uh, Uncle Krizzle, at Uncle Krizzle, U-N-C-L-E-C-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. If you would like to donate to this podcast, first of all, please do, because, you know, brothers, you know, trying to make dough off this somehow, uh, go to uh, paypal.me slash Uncle Krizzle. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to, you know, to wherever you're listening to this on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. And uh, let me tell you just uh, what you've been listening to. List off at the top. I thought I'd uh, hit you with uh, uh, some Jasmine Sullivan. I don't know when she's going to drop that new album, but, um, you know, just thought I'd just hit you with a 
some from the her first album, Fearless. Fearless called uh, Fear. That's again, Fearless, Fear, whatever it is. And um, after that, I thought I'd go all the way back to uh, the 70s or just uh, with uh, Buddy Miles, the late great Buddy Miles, uh, with uh, Them Changes from his album, which is called Them Changes. And uh, finally, closing it out, was um, Work That Ass for Daddy. Yeah, Work That Ass for Daddy by uh, Mark Ribelay out of Dallas. The Loop Daddy, I believe he's known for Loop King, Loop Daddy. So, uh, and uh, that's a single that he came up with during a, a recent live stream. Yes, he live streams. And he decided to turn that into a single. And uh, you know, actually, um, I believe as of um, recording this, the, uh, knife, the night before this drops, and he's, you know, so... Um, he recently uh, came to uh, Houston to perform, and I actually interviewed him for the Houston Chronicles. You can check that out. But by the time this airs, he have already performed in Houston, so I decided I've been meaning to play that track, so thought this was a good time to play it. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, get into our uh, guests, which is uh, two guests, plural. And um, I actually recorded a while back, so um, here we go. Hi, uh, we are here um, talking with the uh, stars, uh, creators, the writers, and one case the director of the new movie uh, The Climb, uh, Michael Angelo Covino, and uh, Kyle Marvin. Um, welcome, welcome to everything that's canceled. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that you two have uh, came dressed uh, prepared <laughs> for this excursion. I don't know if you guys just got through with a bike biking session, or you, this is this is just the gear you'll be wearing from interview to interview. Yeah, we we since we made the movie, we've just changed our whole uh, wardrobe over to only lycra and. Uh, <laughs> We we wear this ever. No, we did a we did a morning show this morning and we and we wore that to this. So we're we have no chance to out. change. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let me guess. Uh, well, first, let me get started by saying this because as I was watching the movie, something kept uh, going. Uh, something I wanted to address both of you. Maybe, like I know you directed it and you know, writing. You know, maybe this this uh, question applies to both of you. Are are either you uh, uh, big Bella Tar fans? Not huge, no. No, because like, I mean, I mean, I've, I've sure, yeah, but, but yeah, because I don't know, maybe it's because I just saw Satan Tango uh, not too long ago, and just like the movie reminds me a lot of like how oh, uh, Star is like directing stuff. So I know yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, uh, you know, you you got your influences mostly from French movies like Eric Rommer and Claude Sarté. If I'm correct, but uh, just yeah. uh, you know, just like this reminds me, of course, with the long tracking shots mm-hmm. and like uh, the opening, uh, like the chapter title cards before you see. And sure, sure, sure. Story. Yeah, and that's yeah. what that reminds me of that. I mean, we're well. Just let's get into that. The just the way you shot the movie and just uh, just how how you, how was the decision made to turn this mostly into like a bunch of. Uh, long uh, takes. Yeah. 
throughout the film. Yeah, well, I think that decision came from uh, we established a shooting style on the short film, which mm-hmm. was really just that opening scene of yeah. two guys riding bikes up a hill, and uh, there was something there was something we loved about the immediacy of not not giving the audience a, a chance to take a break and just living in the moment. It's mm-hmm. sort of if you know that it's happening in real time, for some reason, it, it, there's like. I think both on a performance level for the char- for the actors, there there was just it just made everything just come up alive a little better for us. And I think what we wanted to do is have that immediacy that exists when you don't cut, but then inc- uh, but then incorporate that with sort of a bit more um, uh, more stylized camera uh, movement, and and so sort of you know uh, choreograph it so it felt like a, a very choreographed film but with mm-hmm. sort of that like uh, that palpable uh, immediacy and emotion mm-hmm. so I gotta say just in watching this film I gotta admit to you that it's uh, mostly that it's just like the most the most bros before hoes movie <laughs> I've ever seen just like just cause the scene just like how you two you know after everything that goes on in the film and uh, just you know, is it bros before hoes though? You think? Well, yeah, definitely. Especially not to give away just like how the movie yeah. ends and everything like that. It's just like, just like it got, just like this whole relationship you two have, you know, toxic as it may be. Yeah, you guys still find a way to get uh, continue get back into each other's lives. And you know, it's funny because like I don't know, maybe it's me just like in seeing like the you know the, the first scene that, that that sets everything off in motion is just like uh it's you know cuz you know your character uh we could tell just like uh his you know my 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 best friend's mike and uh he, he admits that uh he uh he slept with uh your your bride to be yeah. and just like you know you kind of go through all these motions where he's just like angry upset and everything but it's just like oh just it, you know, makes you think, uh, just like how you know, a person like, like, like somebody else, like me, for example, would react. Right. And just like, it's just like if somebody did that shit to me, just like, oh, I'm just gonna fuck you up, yeah. like every time I see you, yeah. and just like you know, just say, you know, tell me this, and and it's Judith Godrich, and it's just like, oh, you just, you just gonna have to die. I'm gonna have you walking around this earth existing, when yeah. you, you know, like. You know, yeah. fuck my wife, anything, but just like this, I didn't know if this was this stemmed from any personal things or just like, you know, just like just an idea that you had. Well, I think I think the only the personal thing that we had is that we understood we had these relationships in our in our orbit and with each other, where we we understand like the, that friendship is more like the movie and less like it's portrayed in other movies of this like sort of bantery big over the top thing I think human nature is a little bit more accepting and a little bit maybe more like Mike's character where it's not as it's not as um, it's not as simple as as it may be portrayed yeah there's some friendships where for sure you never talk to him again if I see you I'll kill you it's that sort of vibe but then there's also those you know for some of us there's these other people where it's like it's just more complicated because I can't really get rid of you because you're like a part of me in a, in a way. We're a, part, we're a part of each other's lives in such a deep way that to get rid of you is to let go of an entire section of my past that I don't want to let go of. Mm-hmm. So like I, like even though I'm mad at you, I'll probably keep you around in some way. Yeah. I also get the sense that you know, watching the film, 
two characters, uh, your two characters, you know, kind of constantly get back in each other's lives because you, you get the sense like, you know, they're basically the only thing they have. Like nobody really hangs out with them that much. Like, yeah. so, so just like these two men that kind of like have you know just similar dispositions in, in sense and just like, you know, they they kind of have to uh, you know, carry each other throughout their existence. Yeah. Yeah, they need each other. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of times we, uh, a lot of people, uh, ourselves included, sometimes we sort of block ourselves off or we get focused on something and then we don't talk to anyone else. And you find yourself only interacting with one or two people for, for, mm-hmm. for weeks on end and, and that becomes your, your life. And I think, I think these characters need each other in, in a strange way. And that was, that was kind of what we were exploring was like these, you know, these relationships that are broken and maybe not the most healthy but they serve both parties in some strange way, in a way that maybe a romantic relationship can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, your uh, your character, uh, Kyle, just is, you know, not to, you know, I want to say like, you know, like, do- in terms like doormat or just like your, you can say doormat. You can say doormat. I was more passive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything just like, it just almost seems like it just, that kind of like resonates throughout the film, just like just kind of let things just slide off and I just and didn't know once again that stand into something more personal or just you have just like you've just seen this you know with people or you, you thought this would how the character would be throughout the month. yeah my, I think I think it, it's it's rooted the character and, and probably uh, to some degree me is rooted in this idea that that uh, people are that I, I like people mm-hmm. <laughs> and that people are good you know and that, and that, and I'm trying to see the best in the situation. And that I think that element of like trying to find the best in the situation given given to us is a little bit universal. But I think he sort of personifies it, or maybe takes it to to its extreme mm-hmm. of just like thinking, you know what, like people are good. He's doing it for the best. This is happening for a reason, you know. And trying to just carry on as best you can with yeah. that sort of view view on the world. Yeah. And also, it seems that both both the characters are not really good when it comes to conflict. So, when, you know, right. kind of there that is that scene, in, like basically when a fight arises, they're not really that big, right? Right. Uh, not not big fighters. Yeah. <laughs> so just not good fighters. So. <laughs> yeah. So just trying to like, yeah, trying to see. I mean, you've seen that situation bring up like people. You know, guys, oh, they yeah. talk a big game, but they're not really there. Yeah, there's something beautiful about that. Like, like they got a loud bark. Like, my character has a loud bark. You know, like he's he's he says what he thinks, and he's and he and he shouts, and he he makes a scene all the time. But then when he actually gets into a conflict, he immediately sort of you know by the end of the movie, he's laying on his back in a submissive position. Yeah, you know, because he realized like I'm not going to win this fight. Well, the movie, you know, from you know, once again, just like just gathering from this, just like it is, seems to be this whole big take on this masculinity. I mean, there is that one part where I believe, like uh, George Wayne, who plays the father, uh, was was uh, was bringing up a line from uh, Jim Harrison, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. that's a great, it's <laughs> a great catch. Yeah, Jim Harrison. Yeah, you, know, you know, to me, like Jim Harrison as a writer, like represents you know, kind of like manly shit. Yeah. And you know, one of the great you know, manly writers and everything. So it's just like is is it is it was that kind of something that was weaving into just like how masculinity is portrayed and how it is uh usually um exhibited in real life? 
for sure. I mean, I, I don't know that it's something that we were overtly trying to nail on the head, but I think that those themes are very real to, like, they're innate to the way these relationships between two guys are normally portrayed in, in a movie, let's say, mm-hmm. in, a, in a bro comedy. And um, I think there was an element of what we were trying to do. I don't know. Uh, try, I don't, I don't want to say we were trying to subvert that, but we were definitely uh, attempting to show a different side of it or, or like su- maybe surprise people with the fact that these guys are like sensitive and a bit a bit off in terms of what this the normal the normal part for the course is with those characters at least in our our view yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well you know we, we, I was uh, talking earlier about influences and just like because if you know watch the movie it does seem more like a like a bedroom farce in a sense done in a very artistic manner mm-hmm. and kind of like sure. and when I read about you know your uh, influ- uh, influences with uh, French cinema and just was that kind of what you were it's, especially with the soundtrack because it's just yeah, like yeah. nothing but French people yeah yeah, stuff. yeah and just like how much I mean just was that like a huge thing in when, as you were creating this film just like just getting those influences out there yeah I think there, I think those were all incubating in our in our in our heads and in our, in our minds when we were uh, filming so like you know Bed and Board and and Caesar yeah. and Rosalie and oh, yeah. and um, uh, you know we put Grand Amour in the film Pierre Text which you know mm-hmm. so it's like th- there were there are these ov- more overt examples but then there's also the um, there's also just the nature of the themes that those films dealt with very often and the yeah. matter of factness with which the characters uh, expressed themselves and dealt with it and you know uh, the th- one of the things I love most about Caesar and Rosalie is the fact that at the end of that movie, the two guys are sort of together in this house in a strange way, and she's mm-hmm. moved on. Yeah. And you never expect that at the outset of that film. And, and like that was a revelation um, for for uh, me, and I think for us when you know when first seeing it, because I was like, "Huh, this this turned what I thought this story was going to be on its head, just with this little extra turn of this evolution of like." these two people who were fighting over this woman coming to accept each other and actually finding a friendship. Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny. Some, some you know, t- traditional st- American sort of storytelling of the same story would be leading up to him saying, the whole movie leading up to him saying, I slept with your fiancé, yeah. and that sort of being the thing we're working towards. And we were like, what would happen if that was the first thing that happened? Yeah. Like, what happens on the other side of that, that mm-hmm. arc, that story arc? I didn't just say bed and board because it does remind me more of like the like the more farcical, more farcical movies than the uh, Antoine Donnell collection sure. like, like Stolen Kisses and everything yeah, like sure, that. Sure, sure. And well, those movies are playful. I think like yeah. Truffaut, uh, Truffaut never lost his playfulness with those movies, and I yeah. think that was that was what makes them so endearing, and and I think why I respond to so those so strongly because they're they're they. They're, the emotions are very real. The, the things the characters are going through are very real, and yet there's a there's a playfulness to them that that is unavoidable. They ask is because it's like it's, it's the movie seems more uh, French in that uh, you know as you say more emotional but over top fashion as opposed to American stuff. And just like because it's Frank is like the character I most um, uh, sympathize with the most in this film. 
is the light skinned black dude? Because he's just looking and observing and just like, yep. and just looking at looking yep. at all these white people. Yeah. <laughs> all his, that know, was intentional. That was, yeah. that was exactly. You know, he's, he's from Houston. Yeah, it's Houston, and also he's a buddy of ours. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember I I recognized him because you know back in the day because uh, he used to do like uh, he had uh, he breakfast. No, like the Star Tuga. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. I love that you uh, know that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah, because a lot of uh, you know, the cat, some members of the cast are very into improv. Like yeah, of course, yep. like George Wimp, Second City, and yeah. is it Will Hines and that. Oh uh, no, we have uh, we have Todd Berry. Todd, oh, that was what I was wondering. Is that Todd Berry? That's or Todd Berry. Yeah, Will Hines. Because yep. I kept throughout the movie trying to figure <laughs> out who the fuck. because yep. they both look alike. Yeah, it's Todd Berry. Well, just like, is there much uh, a lot of improv in that? No, I mean no. The way we shot was actually uh, we we we're relatively strong improvisers, and so uh, I think because of the nature of the choreography, we had to lean away from the improv. So what we would do is we we workshopped the scenes almost like theater, and then really got it down to a you know really got the words down even you know during our rehearsal days and while we were writing, and then on the shoot day we really tried to stick to script. Yeah. Just because of the technical complexity of the shot itself, there really wasn't room for improvising because as soon as he said a line, you know, the grips knew they had to be pulling something and sound guy knew he had to move and art department was resetting. So everyone was so tightly coordinated down to words being said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone had to be locked in. Yeah, and what is what made me ask, like, what is uh, kind of equipment did you use in terms of, like, was it, was it mostly, like, Steady camp stuff, or is it so like- it was all different. I mean, we we had this fantastic DP who uh, Zach Cooperstein who came up with ways that we could switch from steady cam to dolly in the middle of a shot. Yeah. He built like a, an electromagnetic rig that someone would switch off and it would lo- come off and go onto his shoulder. Yeah, and so uh, they they we played with you know support like. Um, the the way the camera was supported so whether it was on a shoulder and then it switched to a dolly or vice versa it would like it would move around yeah sort of different in each scene and uh well let's go into the opening because uh like the original short it was shot in california and uh guys moved it up to uh france and just uh and what what was the uh the uh, the area that you guys decided to use it was like right outside Cannes. Maybe you decide to use that part of it right there, just because I believe then you got to do like twenty takes of that. Yeah, about twenty. We did. We did a lot of takes. I mean, you. He found that location. We were trying to find a good location because there's a lot of technical things we needed. Mm -hmm. Hill to be a certain thing to peak at a certain point come down and have yeah, a like place. Yeah, like the timing was tough. So right. when I was I was at Cannes the year before just watching movies and uh, afterwards I like I traveled around like searching and trying to find the perfect uh, peak knowing that we were going to try to shoot it that August. Mm-hmm. Well, let's lead on to how like, uh, like last year our guys uh, was in Cannes again. Yeah. Well, just how was that uh, just like not only just coming back to Cannes with a movie <laughs> But a movie that would end up probably winning a jury prize. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, it was one of the cooler, uh, most more amazing experiences I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. We 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 consume a lot of foreign film. I mean, no, I I'm I'm endlessly impressed and amazed by the foreign films being produced now. So for mm-hmm. us, our heroes play at Cannes. You know, the movies that we respond so like palpably to are the movies premiering there and so to be there with with i mean we looked at who was playing at that festival with us and i was like oh my gosh these are all the people who 
I yeah, love some great filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to be in that mix is a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, is is having a film that was a big, you know, uh, can if you wouldn't call it that, and having an award, does that carry a, a cachet? That um, I mean, does I just carry a rep that like, oh, this is the big thing. I mean, is it would you have having that clout behind you? Is that is that has that led to other opportunities to more and everything? Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely led for opportunities to make our next movie. I think um, the you know, and it's led for opportunities in terms of like in Europe, it means something. You know, yeah, in Europe, that that means a lot. In America, I think less so. I think you know, mm-hmm. Sundance means. Uh, in some ways, uh, or audiences are more aware of like a film playing at Sundance than can. But, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's open doors that would never have been open to us. I think the idea that an American comedy premiered at Cannes was definitely for the industry. People were like, "What? Mm-hmm. Who? What? What is this thing that just happened?" And that I think has been an interesting uh, perception of our, the yeah. project. I guess we could just get into this cycling stuff because it's just like you guys are just we're wearing, we're wearing yeah. cycling yeah. outfits. Yeah, right. into it and just because like, well, just just I know like because I actually uh, read where that interview in more of the cycling magazine yeah, that yeah, you bicycle. did just like bicycles, sorry, and just how how was you know what made you decide to well first where did the whole uh, love of cycling come from and what made you decide to weave it into a story as you do. I think, uh, I don't know, I played football through college and then I started getting out of shape in my 20s and I needed to find something. So yeah. one of my friends introduced me to cycling and, and like, not that I hadn't ridden bikes before, but uh, I think it was more like, hey, let's go on a ride. And I found it to be more enjoyable than golf mm-hmm. in terms of a way to spend like three hours with a friend. Mm-hmm. So I started, uh, yeah, I just started doing it as exercise. Yeah, and I started cycling when we started making the movie. So mm-hmm. I, I again, like, I've ridden bikes my whole life, but cycling like this, we did it just to train, honestly, to be in shape for that opening scene, and I got hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your weight kind of fluctuates. It does. Yeah, I, I gained uh, fifteen pounds going in, and then lost thirty while we were shooting. So in six weeks, lost thirty thirty mm-hmm. something pounds. And Mike flipped it and did the opposite. He was gaining as we were filming. So we did a lot of... Uh, it was pretty uh, hard on our bodies. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there any pluses and minuses to a cycling? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you got invites from people, like the cycling clubs or any shit like that. A, a little bit. A little bit. Not not yet. We're still waiting to ride with... Uh with Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Lance, if you're listening, we'll, we're, we would be happy to go on a ride with you. He's sort of the, the, the pinnacle of American cycling still, even mm-hmm. if, even if, you know. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Even <laughs> if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's just, well, uh, let's see, I mean, just, well, I just wanted to do this thing, because, like, on my, my show, just kind of talk about, you know, it's called Everything is Canceled. So yeah. I'm just, like, trying to see if there ain't stuff out there that pisses me off that you need to... Address. <laughs> this is just, great. All right, all right. Now the now the podcast has just changed, and uh, it's 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 t- it's Tom. Where are we headed? Yeah, pissing us off. You know, there's a lot of things that piss me off, but um, yeah. Uh, specifics. They all just sort of like bundle up into my head and just make me angry all day. No, I'm kidding. Um, We're saying specific uh, things specific that have been cinema? canceled. Thing. Well, now just things that personally oh, you wow. feel like. 
if you, if you feel that these things, these things should be canceled. Okay, yeah. I, I think we should cancel the number system. We've been flying a lot. I think we should cancel the number system for airlines. Like, I think, I think we should just go back to, like, the plane's open. Everyone just, like, fight for your life, and you go for it. This whole idea that, like, you're in, you're in group one and group two and group three, I think it's the I think downfall of American society. we should cancel the 50-pound 50, 50 weight limit. I mean, they make these suitcases so big. How do you even – I mean, you're, it's like you're, you're going to put a half-full suitcase on the plane if it's 50 pounds. Who has – uh, we're just, just talking, we're just talking about travel. our grumpiness <laughs> about traveling. Yeah. Air travel does seem to be a big class. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it can, I it mean, it's fill. the most. It is the most direct representation of of the class struggles. I like I've ever. I mean, then there's private jets, which you don't even get yeah. to see, which which is how <laughs> the world works, also. But yeah. but it's really funny. Like we've gotten to fly business a couple times through this process, which is a new thing for me. And I <laughs> and I just sat up there and I was like, oh, oh. and you like. You sit like a king for a second, and then you're on your four-hour flight or whatever it is, and then you know a week later you're back in the back, and you, you walk by those people, and you're like, and you're like, you almost want to like lean over and tell them, I was one of you one, 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 one like I, I, I did that once. Yeah, remember this well. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it won't happen again. I, t- yeah. I take pictures. I do the whole thing. Well, I framed a picture of me in business class. It was. Very- <laughs> Here's, here's a new thing that's been going on. Uh, people taking off their shoes and, uh, like, swiping shit with, with their feet. What do you mean? Like rubbing. Oh, yeah, the people lift their feet up to, like, to the top of the headrests. Headrests, I saw like, when they have, when it's like, a movie or something. Yeah, yeah, like, feet up. Yeah. Well, and, the thing I can't wrap my head around is how there's a, there's a, not everyone, but there's a section of society, and most of them live in L.A., but there are these people that think that they are like entitled to some level of service that is so above and beyond. It's like delusional, and and, and they'll sit on a plane and they'll like they'll, they have this sense of like you you need to do this or something. I'm like we're all on here together, yeah. and I'm watching people get in fights over armrests, and I'm like. What plan? <laughs> Where were you raised? I watched this guy yell at someone. I remember, yeah. In a business class seat, she had a crying baby, and he goes, "Who brings a baby? Who brings a baby in business class?" And I literally, I turned to him. I said, "Hey, it's a baby. It's a baby." And he was like, "I mean," uh, and he started yelling. At me. I go, "Sir, it's a baby." They cry, like, yeah. like, like. All of us were babies. Like, it's the yeah. only thing we all share in common is that no, you cried. You cried. Right. Yeah. Loudly. That's why I, I, whenever I fly, I usually go on like Southwest or Continental. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, they all just like, it's the cheapest ass fare. We just you know get, what you're getting in for. Let's just get to where the fuck we got to yep. go. Yep. Yep. We ain't got time for any of this like breakdown shit. <laughs> So yeah, so it's mostly air and, and mostly air. <laughs> yeah. Just cancel air travel, well, which which might happen with the virus. So yeah, never yeah. Know. I was about to say, just like I mean, like how has it just been uh, traveling now? There's a possibility that you might go on a plane and okay. So here's down, you might die. This is my new take on the coronavirus, my, my, my which is thing. which has come about this morning, and I'm sure a lot of people share this with me. And maybe this is controversial. I don't know. I. Don't, like, I don't know enough about it. I haven't really read enough. But I will say that like people die from the flu every year, right? People die from various diseases yeah. that we all catch from sneezing, not washing our hands, putting our fingers in our mouths yeah. and noses and eyes. And it doesn't seem like the percentage of people dying from the coronavirus is higher than 
the percentage of people dying from the flu. I don't is know that, the math. I don't well, know the math. Well, it's maybe like a 2% mortality rate, okay. which, is, which is apparently pretty high. Is that high? Well, is that I, higher I was than? watching last week tonight, and John Oliver said it's literally, remember, you know, the TV show, The Leftovers, where just like yeah, a yeah. Bunch, bunch of people disappeared for no way. Yeah, that, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay, I retract them. You yeah. know, I think, for, the, some I think reason, the, I, for some reason, I thought it was like, it was basically just another strain of the flu, and we were just all getting into a frenzy about it. It, it is, but it's like, it's like a new and improved strain of the right. flu, where it's just like, to tell you the truth, I think the coronavirus was brought here to, to weed out all the nasty bastards yeah. who don't... Um, uh, you know what? Wash their okay. hands. Okay. Well, this is my point. My point is this: yeah. if if the coronavirus makes everyone wash their hands more, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I see people washing their hands all the time. I'm like, said, I'm in. On the you have, not, you have If no it makes for more sanitary, if everyone's conscious about washing their hands now, yeah. well, it's great. I, you have no idea how many times I've gone to a public bathroom here. I just have and just be, just get. I'll be in the bathroom, public bathroom, and I'll see a guy. Just come out the stall after yep. 10 minutes straight and just go out. straight to the door as yep. if that 10 minutes of <laughs> gentle fondling and yep. ass wiping yep. did not happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just. <laughs> I watched David Spade do that one time at a restaurant. He came, out, he came out of the bathroom. I heard like someone, it was like orchestral, the, the, what was going on in this thing. And I was like, I'm going to wait to see who this is. Sure enough, he comes out. It's David Spade. Straight he up looks there. at me, doesn't wash his hands, and walks back out to dinner. I was yeah. like, I don't know if that changed my viewpoint of him, but but it definitely solidified it is, it is fucked up. There's like, <laughs> like I, mean, I don't know when the loss of hand washing. I know when when that became like such a big deal for people that they don't do it. That's it's not that inconvenient. No, just like washing. Just supposed to run some hot water under your hand. That's or right. Something. Like that's my that should be my motto. Like you can always shake my hand because there's not any ass or junk <laughs> on it. <laughs> Uh, All right, so uh, any other projects you got going? Because I know, like, you know, some big, now the movie dropped, you got, like, big uh, plans uh, for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I acted in that, in some crazy, uh, awesome Paul Greengrass movie, which was, wow, it was cool. I played, like, a bad guy in a Western. West, when, when is that dropping? Uh, It drops uh, Christmas. It's Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. Double wow. Tom Hanks is doing a Western. But that, that's, that's the reason why he had, like, the whole yeah, daddy yeah, yeah. beard thing going on? That's okay. Fine. And I had a ratty beard going on for no reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because I was... I was in What's the, your I was, excuse? Yeah, yeah, I, I had nothing. <laughs> My face looks weird. Well, I was also reading, like, don't didn't, like don't you have, like, a deal now with Sony Classics? Yeah. No, with uh, Topic. Who Topic. financed okay. your film. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and we're, right, we're writing our next movie for them. Yeah, yeah. and also you got a film coming with right. Ron. Yeah, the, the, the Quench. Yeah. yeah, we're we're casting it now. It's being directed by uh, another director, Aman Abbasi, who's great. And uh, just uh, well, just uh, where can people contact you? I know, like I know you're on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they said. Like, that's know, awesome. You're not Straight on, to LinkedIn. I don't know if you have any other social media. Yeah, the best thing actually is at uh, the Klein Film. Which is our Instagram, okay. Instagram, and our Instagram handle, and we're that's us. Yeah. So the, that, that's just us. You can you can hit us up there. Yeah, you if, can, you, if you DM us, we'll respond. We'll respond. Yeah, yeah, it's open, open policy. All right. Well, uh, but if it's like something you don't like, it was Kyle writing it, and if it's something funny, it was me. Definitely, Mike. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, <laughs> I'm just that's, kidding. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, but thank, I, I know, but like, thank you, thank you very much for taking part in this. I appreciate it. Yeah. I guess. Like, so there you have it uh michael angelo covino and 
Kyle Marvin, the stars and writers of The Climb. It's out there in theaters somewhere. You check it out. Um, so, I guess before we close out here, thought I'd uh, give you one more song. And uh, the uh, late, great jazz pianist uh, McCoy Tyner passed away passed away recently so i thought i'd give you a little something from a sante album let's see if i can play this up here yeah just going on right here i just gonna slide into it so um I leave you with something from uh, from that album, Asante. And uh, until then, this is uh, Craig Lindsay saying, Sarah Huckabee, you, me, and a bottle of orange Gina. Just see the movie. I think you'll get it. So, okay then. Bye.